As the official healthcare provider of Minnesota United, Alina Health is focused on keeping our loons in top condition. And with expertise in orthopedics, sports medicine, heart care, and more, Alina has the team to keep your family in the game too. The experts at Alina Health take the time to get to know you as a whole person, helping you achieve wellness for your mind, body, and spirit. It's an altogether better kind of healthcare. Learn more at alinahealth.org. Everybody and welcome back to another episode of Sound of the Loons presented by Alina Health. And this time we get to speak to the man, the myth, the legend, the goalkeeping guru, Stuart Kerr of Minnesota United. And of course, the first team goalkeepers, but you get the privilege and the honor of getting some time with the academy guys and the youngsters and the twos and all that jazz too as uh, the movement continues. So first of all, Stu, you and I were just talking about before we joined uh, the call here, the, the, uh, the, the craziness of the schedule getting back in the middle of the night, early in the morning, both on uh, midweek games here, you guys coming back um, from a road trip to Houston. So thank you for joining me. I know this is uh, not the, the most ideal situation. You're getting ready for LAFC on the weekend, so I appreciate it. No problem at all, Kendra. Glad to be here. I see a little bit tired, but <laughs> a bit happier after the result last night. <laughs> yeah, that always makes it easier. That trip home, that that wake up call the next morning, and then going back to training, the regen, all that kind of stuff. Especially when you have LAFC coming to town, it makes it a little bit easier when you're coming off a win. But not just a win, but the way you guys won that game. And and we'll get to that in a moment. But I wanted to just sort of first of all let people get a little bit of background of you. Let's say this is the first time they're listening to Sound of the Loons, and then they've never heard an interview with you before. Um, we don't get to talk to you very often. Give people a little bit about your background, where you came from, how you got involved in soccer, your love for the game, and then also coming over to the United States, or I should say North America, because you spent some time in Vancouver as well. But this uh, this crazy league we have called MLS. Yeah, it's been, a, to, be, to be honest, it's been quite a journey for me. I mean, obviously, you can tell with my accent, I'm from Scotland. Um, That's not Wisconsin. Yeah, 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 definitely <laughs> not. Um, I mean, I was very lucky and privileged, obviously, in Scotland, like football, soccer is the number one sport. It dominates everything. So for me, I grew up playing, you know, like just like from a very early age and stuff like that. Uh, and I was very fortunate enough to be with, I joined Celtic at 15 years of age after coming through the youth systems. I was with that fantastic club for 10, 11 years, played 75 like appearances for Celtic Um which was fantastic. It was my boyhood club and to play with such a big club was a privilege. Then obviously I moved on. I moved on to, to Wigan Athletic. I had a couple of spells on loan with uh, Brighton and uh, Swindon, but moved on full-time to Wigan Athletic. And unfortunately I had to retire at the age of 26 with back problems, um, which was a bit of a shock to the system. Um, took us about a year to go over that. And then obviously just focused on coaching. Um, I was very lucky. I met a lot of guys early in my coaching career. I started off with Airdrie, which is a Scottish first division team. I was lucky enough there to be a year. And then I was lucky enough to go to Motherwell, which is in the Scottish Premier League. Like 
like obviously I was working with fantastic goalkeepers such as John Ruddy and, and Darren Randolph, guys who have went on to have unbelievable careers and, you know, international careers and premiership careers. So that was a real big thing for me. And then the opportunity came up to come over to North America. Um, I got the chance to go to Toronto FC. Paul Marner, like who passed away two years ago, like brought me in. Fantastic guy who gave me and my family the opportunity to come over to North America. And I was there for three to four years. Had a great time there. Met a lot of great people. Same thing again. I worked with some fantastic goalkeepers, Stephen Fry, Joe Bendick. And then I was lucky enough to work with Julio Cesar before the 2014 World Cup, which for me was just an absolute thrill to see someone of that ability and that class preparing for such a big tournament. So I was very lucky there. Then is what happens in football, soccer. You can get fired and then move on to different teams. <laughs> So I was lucky enough to uh, hook up with Adrian at Orlando. I knew Adrian before. So obviously when I left Toronto, he wanted to bring me into Orlando. So I spent a good six months with Adrian. Then he left Orlando and was with Jason Christ for six months at Orlando as well, um, which was a fantastic time, different experience. It was my first time in America because I'd been in Canada before. Um, and then I get the opportunity with Cal Robinson in Vancouver, which I had a fantastic two. Two years with Cal Robinson, we enjoyed quite a bit of success. We got to the Champions League semi-final, Western Conference semi-final, and we did really well. And I think when you look at Vancouver, they've struggled over the last few years and it shows you the type of job that Cal Robinson done. But then again, you've got to move on. And obviously I was delighted when Adrian brought me to Minnesota. Um, and now this is, this is the longest I've been at a club and thoroughly enjoying it and having the opportunity to work with such goalkeepers I mean I had Vito at the start Vito Minoni then Tyler Miller obviously Dane Greg Ranjitsing Adrian's and Dehas you've got you know you've got Fred you've got everybody you've got Clint Irwin now Eric Dick so for me it's just a fantastic time to be working with these goalkeepers so from your youth when you were over in Scotland did you know like day one I'm going to be a goalkeeper was that always no. your jam Oh, it's it's one of those ones. I was actually, I was actually not too bad outfield player, but probably not good enough to make a career out of it. So I tried it out uh, to go in goals, and I, I enjoyed the position. I was always quite a, a physical player, so I enjoyed the contact and diving around to see all oh, goalkeepers are crazy. I think there's a element of truth in that. Um, so I enjoyed it, and then you just go from there. As I say, you're lucky enough to work with some great coaches, and then you you get your talents, and you need to be lucky as well. You need to have that opportunity, and I was very lucky to get the opportunity with Celtic. So with Celtic, and when you finally found that groove as a goalkeeper, like what what clicked for you? I mean, you know, you said you enjoy playing in the field, and but now does that as a goalkeeper did that make you better with your feet? I mean, what was what was the could you see the game from a different way because you had started in the field at some point? Did you have an appreciation? I mean, sometimes I feel like everybody in their life, whatever career, you should do everybody's job once so you have an appreciation for what everybody else does. I mean, did that kind of help you playing in the field before you became a goalkeeper? Yeah, it definitely did. I mean, and as you say, it's, it's two that's completely different, you know, outfield playing and goalkeeping playing because you see two different aspects. You see the whole picture when you're a goalkeeper. And you have to be more vocal. You have to help your back four out. And obviously now, in those times, the, the pass-back rule had just came out. So it was a lot of the older goalkeepers struggled with that at the time because they'd never played with their feet. I mean, it's crazy to think now when you could pick up pass-backs and stuff like that. But now it's such an important part of the game. But for me, I was quite comfortable with the ball at my feet. And I think that actually helped me and, and propelled me to get into the first team quicker than I thought I was going to get in. 
When you talk about coming to Minnesota United and then re, uh, reuniting with Adrian Heath, and I know um, when you came into this club and you just talked about some of the incredible goalkeepers that you've worked with here, and you listed players that have been starters and some that have been role players or second goalkeepers, or maybe they don't get their opportunity unless the starting goalkeeper is gone, like we just saw with Dane St. Clair and Clint Irwin, who's a veteran of this league, stepping in as a starting goalkeeper, or maybe it's a U.S. Open Cup appearances for some. How important is it to have those goalkeepers on a club that kind of run the gamut, you know, that are some are young and waiting for their opportunity, maybe like a, a Fred Emmings, but then some have been around for a while and they bounced around a little bit, but they still have this leadership role. They have, they're in a different stage in this, in their career. How important is it to sort of have run the gamut and then everybody's kind of working for the same cause? Oh, it's so important. I mean, I mean, we call it the goalkeeper union, um, but I've been in situations at clubs where there can be a bit of friction between the goalkeepers because obviously like goalkeepers want to play and you can have a clash of egos at times. But I think the biggest thing is is you can have that and it's healthy, healthy competition. But I think it's so important when you're working together because we work so close together every single day. So it's very important to have that real solid group and have a respect here. And I think, I mean, the group we have at the moment, I think it just seen it like, Clint's come in and been absolutely fantastic. He's such a, he's a veteran, you know, he likes to get involved, even in the coaching side as well. And I encourage that because he's got a lot of experience to give, you know, he's, he's played in the league and he knows everything. I think he's been fantastic with the younger goalkeepers. I mean, and I, also as well, I can't say enough about Eric Dick because, I mean, that guy every day is like, he brings it to training every day. His attitude and also his class as a goalkeeper, I think he's very appreciated by the coaching staff and he's very appreciated by the players. And also, with Dane being the number one at the moment, you know, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity for him, working with Clint, and also working with younger goalkeepers, because I, I genuinely believe you learn something new every day off every goalkeeper. You take things off every goalkeeper. And with Fred Emmings, the young kid, he's, he's learning from an unbelievable group, and I think that's going to stand him in good stead. So at the moment, I think we've got an unbelievable group. When you look at that group, as you were just talking about and how closely you guys work together, it's so different when you talk about it. healthy competition is good. You hear every coach say that, but it is so different with a field player versus a goalkeeper because the time is limited. Oftentimes, once you're solidified in the position, you kind of have a hold of it. So, you know, you're going into training every day, oftentimes not you know going to see minutes in a game. So different than a field player. So how do you manage that? Have you become, have you taken like a sports psychology degree on the side? Because you have to have this goalkeeper union where everybody's together for the same cause, but a healthy competition at the same time and trying to keep everybody, you know, I mean, even think about when uh, Tyler Miller got sick right before the Red Bulls game and Dane St. Clair played out of his mind. And then that was kind of, that flipped the tide that direction. But Dane had it happen to him the year before. How do you keep everybody on the same page kind of, mentally, emotionally, and, and involved? I think it's very important to have that experience. I mean, I've been in every situation as a goalkeeper. I've been the number one, I've been the number two, I've been the number three. So I know exactly what these what these kids are going through. I mean, there's some, and, and you can sort of get ahead of the curve on it. You know, obviously, like, like there's going to be days in training where the goalkeepers who aren't playing, they need, sometimes they're more important, they need more motivation. You know, and I, I can, I'm very good at, um, because I'm, I'm experienced and I'm very good, I can sort of tell straight away as soon as they come in and they train. You know, you might have a session in your mind and then you can tell by the mood of the goalkeepers and having a chat with them, you might have to change that. And I think it's very important to have a, a personal, I take great pride in having a, 
personal relationship with my goalkeepers because I, I've been in their position. So that's the one thing I can say. I say, listen, I know what you guys are going through, but I think you've got to take time to have chats with them. When you see they're a little bit down, you have to reassure them. You have to tell them, look, you're doing fantastically well. And the biggest thing I always say to the goalkeepers who aren't playing, make sure you're ready when the opportunity comes. You know, if, if, you, if, you're, if you're moaning and, you're, and you're, you're groaning, you're not helping yourself. It doesn't work. You work hard and then when you go away, you can moan and groan about it. But when you come to work, be a positive person. And then when the opportunity comes, be ready. Because as you said, like last season with Dane and Tyler, that came out of nowhere. And that's how quickly it can change. Dane's, Dane's life changed that day. He ended up playing the whole season and ended up going to the World Cup, which is life-changing for a goalkeeper. You know, so for me, it's just about keeping that focus, which is hard at times, keeping that focus and being ready and being prepared as best as you can for when the opportunity comes. So you just mentioned it there, Dane St. Clair, having gone away to the World Cup last, uh, well, I guess it was winter, technically. I always want to say summer, but we it was threw us mm. all for a loop with it being around Thanksgiving. Um, and then also coming back to Minnesota United, he had a little bit of time off, you know, a little bit of a break there, and then got right back in it again and um, was just away with the Gold Cup with Canada and, and with the Nations League and everything else. So then how how is that? I mean, does it feel like – and, and like, to go way back, he won the national championship with Maryland, right? That's when he came in as a draft pick in, in 2019. So – when you go like 2019, you're the starting goalkeeper at a college level, but you win a national title, which is a big deal in the United States. That's, you know, college is still an important aspect. So you're at the top of your game. Then you come in as a draft pick. You're still kind of riding high. You got a little bit of confidence, maybe a little bit of ego, which is, an, is a healthy thing, right? Yeah. And then you get maybe knocked back down because you're number two or three on the depth chart. Got to work your way back up. And then you go to a World Cup squad. So, yes, you're on a national team, but you're still – got to bide your time a little bit, you know, ride the pecking order. And he gets his opportunity in this, in these last couple of gold cup games because of injuries. What is that like as a goalkeeper where you're at the top of your game, you get knocked, you know, you don't get knocked back down, but you're continuing to move up in level. So you become farther down the pecking order, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, if you look at some of the best goalkeepers in the world, very rarely do you go through a career and you're playing every game. The best goalkeepers in the world, it's happened to them. It's happened to Casillas. Sam to Julio says, uh, Neuer's out injured at the moment and he's not playing. It's happened to Buffon. There comes a time in your career where things aren't going to work out for you. And that's the most important time where you have to remain focused and believe in yourself, <clears throat> work hard, and be ready for when the opportunity comes. And I think with Dane, it's, it's the biggest thing that people forget at times with Dane, that he didn't really play a professional game until he was 23 years of age. So even now he's 26, he's very limited in his experience. So his growth is going to be really exponential in the next couple of years because he's he's having this experience now. He's he's played in the Gold Cup now. He came through a big test against the US and he's he's played in a Western Conference final. As you said before, he was the NCAA champion with Maryland. He's got a history of being a success. He's got a history of being a winner. But there's times where he's had to work harder and now he's, he's, he's I think he's putting this all together now, the actual talent and realising what it takes to be a top pro. And I think that's very, very important. And taking the highs and the lows. Don't get don't get too high when you're high and don't get too low when you're low. It's always somewhere in the middle. And if you can do that, especially in the goalkeeping position, because you're going to make mistakes. It's a fact of life. So when you make a mistake, forget about it, move on. And I think that's what separates the, the good goalkeepers and the great goalkeepers. 
the one should do that. Sorry. What what is the biggest piece of growth that you've seen from him since he came on and, and even as he's changed roles within Minnesota United and gone with the national team and come back? What's the biggest thing? And it could be mental, emotional, physical. It could be something tactically or technically that he's gotten better at. What's the biggest thing you've seen with him? Well, for me, if, if you compare Dane St. Clair to the goalkeeper who got to the Western Conference final in 2020, compared to the type of goalkeeper he is now, it's, it's night and day. He was when 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 he got to he made some unbelievable saves and stuff like that. But sometimes he made unbelievable saves because he was out of position. Now he looks so much. His his other aspects of the game are so calm. You know, he's calm with the ball at his feet. His positioning is fantastic. And sometimes to the naked eye, that doesn't look as 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 like as like really good. You know, because he's not making the big crazy saves and stuff like that. But just now he's so fundamentally better. His positioning, his calmness, everything he does. It's night and day now compared to what he was in 2020. And we spoke about this at the end of last season because he had an unbelievable season last season, but he made a couple of mistakes and was making highlight saves. I think now he's so much more consistent. And I think for his next, next, next level, to play international football, you have to have your solid fundamentals. Big saves will come in the game, but it's, it's being calm, it's being confident, it's, it's the manager having trust in you. So I think for Dave, and because he was a late starter as well, he didn't come through an academy system. I think the growth he showed, like even in the off season, for me, has been a massive thing. And when you look at how he performs in, in different games, and I want to talk to you about, you know, maybe even like the penalty shootout. Mm-hmm. What what is that like for you as a goalkeeping coach? Whether it's in an MLS game that you see you witness that him facing a penalty or uh, you know, we saw him in the All-Star game last season, which was really fun to see him at, at Allianz Field or against the United States. I mean, as a goalkeeping coach and knowing him, I mean, what 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 were you doing while that penalty shootout was going on against the United States? Were you like pacing? Were you like, yeah. I can't watch? Like, what were you? I was pacing the room and, and obviously as well because I'm not there, you know, and I'm so, I'm so used to being there with him. So for me, but the, the biggest thing about Dana is I think one of his biggest strengths is, and I think the people that know him, he's he's very calm, he's he's very level-headed. People actually, he's laid back, but when he gets on that pitch, he's a winner. He wants to win, and everything he does, he, he can flick that switch when he goes on the pitch. So for me, getting into the US game, I was, I, I was nervous for him because I knew, perception-wise, this was such an important game for him. You know, because sometimes you maybe only got one chance to impress. And I think because it was such a high-profile game against the States, that for him, it was a huge game. And I think to get through that and also excel in the game, I think that will raise his confidence level again. It will give him another extra 10 20%. We spoke about it the other day. This was before the game last night against Houston. There's a fine line between arrogance and confidence. And that's what he has to do now. I want him to be that confident, bordering on arrogance, but still being very, very focused in what you do. And I could even see it last night in the Houston game. He looked, you know, he just looked so comfortable. He had that bit of confidence about him that he deserves to be there in those high-pressure games. So for me, I think it was nervous watching him, but I know what he is as a a goalkeeper and as as a person. So I knew he was going to come through it. And then I want to also ask you about your viewpoint of clean sheets because how many times you know i can't tell you how many times we call a game and you could be up like you guys were last night three nil the clock's winding down i mean 
And at the end of the day, you give up a late goal, even if you still win the game. I mean, how disappointing and frustrating as a whole team. And we all see the disappointment, you know, on all the players' faces, usually the back line as well. But as a goalkeeper, even if it's not a save that you could have even possibly made, what is that like to come away with a clean sheet? Do we put enough emphasis on that or do we not as media and broadcasters and the public that, you know, that gets accomplished in, in a game, regardless of how many score, you know, goals your offense scores? I think it's a big thing for a goalkeeper. I think it's, all, it's, a, it's a confidence booster as well because more and more and more than day games getting judged on stats, you know, so it's like, it, it looks good for the optics, but I think for the goalkeeper's mentality as well, it's very, very good. We spoke about it when, when we scored the third goal last night and the guys come over like to get a drink of water and stuff like that, but the manager and all the staff were emphasising the need to keep a clean sheet. Because as you say, if you lose a goal, it, it doesn't take the shine off the, the result, but you, you leave feeling a little bit disappointed because you never kept a clean sheet. So I think in a game like that last night, especially with the conditions we had to deal with, and they were taking chances that I think it was very, very important, not only for the goalkeeper, but I think for the back four and the whole team that we kept a clean sheet. And then you can move on to the game on Saturday thinking, yeah, you know, defensively we were really, really good and we can take what's going to come our way on Saturday. And lastly, just from your perspective, I mean, you, your title is goalkeeping coach, but you've been around this game for a very long time. And seeing Minnesota United, you ha clearly have some fantastic additions that contributed last night with a couple goals. But in general, with this team, it seems to me that all great teams end up finding a, a, a factor of consistency. You know, not, you know, how do you go from the Austin loss at home, even though you dominated or, or you know, led in shots and chances created and all those things to a fantastic road win in Houston, which is a very difficult place to play and a dominant performance on the road. How do you find a way as a group to marry that together and find that consistency that is just going to continue to propel you up the Western Conference standings into the playoffs, into the second round of the playoffs, into the Western Conference final and continue that ball rolling? Do you see that in this group, that ability? Yeah, I think we have a lot of leaders in the group. I mean, I think, obviously, I mean, you look at guys like Michael Boxall, he's not a vocal leader, but just by the, the way he leads by example is just, you know, unbelievable. Zerek Valentin, these guys, these guys have been in the league, you know, day and to an extent now it's becoming a, a leader in the team. Um, and I think now, obviously, I think it's been, it's been a, a, a difficult season because of the situations we've had with, with, with Ray, and, and looking to bring Pookie in and stuff like that. So I think now, really, our season starts now. I think now we've got a group now together. We've got good depth now. If we can get a couple of injuries back as well, I think now we have a team that is going to find an identity. I think like people underestimate as well. We've already had like five wins on the road, which if you can get that in a season, basically five wins, then it's a, it's a great, a great away record. So if we can marry the both now, start winning a couple of games at home, because in the road, I always fancy us to get a result because we're re very resilient, we're hard to beat, hard to break down, and also we have that quality, especially with Ray now and Timu like, uh, playing in the team. You've you seen their link up last night. I think it makes a massive difference. So for us now, I think it's having that consistency at home. You start to, uh, you, you, if, if to get a result on Saturday against LAFC, I think that would be a major boost for the club just because of who LAFC are. And I think we're well capable. Of it. And then you take that on into the League's Cup and then you marry that on to the MLS play as well. And I think now is, is really where our season starts. It's crazy because we're, you know, we're past the halfway point. 
And then you've got, as you stated, the last game here on the weekend, and then it's all-star game, and then it's League's Cup, and then the second half starts. It's kind of like this weird stop-start in the middle of it, but yet you're still playing games. So it's not like an international break or a World Cup in the middle of it where everybody's you know, taking some time off, and, and it's just more games. So again, the quality of that depth that you guys have accumulated is going to be really put to the test here as the season, as it is for everybody. But you said it, you guys have already found a way to get wins on the road or, or points at least on the road, and which is nearly impossible in this league. So I appreciate you taking the time. Get some rest. We'll see you on Saturday for LAFC, which they just came off a 3-0 win, and they've been having a hard time scoring. So who knows what kind of game we're going to get. It's always a crapshoot in this league. We just never know what's going to happen. Thank you, Kendra. Thanks for having me on, and I'll see you soon. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Stuart. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. The newest chapter in the rivalry between MLS and League MX is coming to Minnesota this summer. The 2023 Leagues Cup arrives at Allianz Field July 23rd when the Loons take on Club Puebla in their first group stage match. Just three days later, a date with Chicago Fire will wrap up MNUFC's group play. For more details on this new competition or to secure your tickets before they're gone, visit MNUFC.com today. All right, everybody, welcome back to segment number two of Sound of the Loons. This time we get to take a little peek behind the curtain of the man that does all the the what's the way to describe it because we nobody sees you Kyle on the podcast but we get to see you we get to see you doing all the the dirty work setting it all up going up to NSE tracking down the guests making sure everything works right making sure they all feel comfortable sitting there and uh and you also are the copywriter for the club so you do a ton of the writing and, and the behind the scenes stuff so first of all Thank you so much for joining me, Kyle Hayward. We get to see like we do with uh, others when we go behind the curtain, behind the scenes. Now we get to see and hear from you. Hey, it's great to be on the other side of the table this time. I know it's a little weird at first, although you've sat there before to do sound checks and stuff. And so you're comfortable in front of a mic. You know what it's like to sit in front of. There's some people that show up and it's like a deer in headlights. You can tell right away they're like checking their hair. They're like all of a sudden they're, you know, they're worried a little bit. You look pretty comfortable there. I'm glad I looked that way. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. All right. Okay. Well, first of all, um, give people a little scoop on your background. How did you end up with Minnesota United? How were you always wanting to be in sports? Did you play soccer? What's sort of your background on how you came to be with Minnesota United? And then specifically in your multitasking, several different hat role that you currently have? Yeah. So I uh, played soccer most of my life. Started when I was seven. Uh, first game I played, I ran off the field crying uh had to take a season off and then came back and just too much rest. pressure oh yeah my dad was on the <laughs> sideline yelling at me to get the ball I was like oh, I can't do this but uh the next season was better and kept on going played in college uh down in Indiana um what school it's a small school called Taylor University awesome uh most people outside northern Indiana probably haven't heard of it but go Trojans yep uh then wanted to work in sports, like you're saying, uh, keep keep with soccer as much as I could. Applied to like 50, 60 different MLS, USL teams all around the country for different roles and heard back from Minnesota. And now here I am. So what did you actually major in? 
Because if you're, you know, if I, I didn't even know what I wanted to do when I was growing up. I just wanted to go and play soccer and I forgot that I actually had to go to school for something. So <laughs> did you, did you know that you want, you said, you know, you wanted to be in sports, but there's so many different avenues, especially with all the yeah. digital and social and all the other content out there, which I'm old. So that wasn't even around when I was going to college. We had, I didn't have a cell phone until I got married. So wh- did you always know what you wanted to be within sports? And then what did you actually end up majoring in? Uh, obviously the first dream was be a player. Uh, and when that didn't work out at the highest level, you know, I figured, uh, first started to go for exercise science, maybe be a trainer. Uh, but that didn't really interest me after a couple classes. Uh, so I went for sport management and finance double major and now I'm writing. So kind of a little bit of everything. Um, and when you, uh, first of all, the sports science thing, if anything has the word science in it, you can usually count me out. And then the second thing you said, finance, if there's anything to do with numbers and finance, I leave that up to my husband. So more power to you for sticking with uh, that major, even though, but that's like the whole point, right? Is that all of our careers and our paths, if you talk to every single person in that office and whether you're on the sporting side or whether you're in the front office side, or, you know, you're in Golden Valley or you're up in Blaine. Almost everybody has some different crazy career path that somehow led them to Minnesota United. And that's kind of the uniqueness of it. It doesn't have to be linear and everybody's path doesn't have to be the same. So when you came out with Minnesota United, what role did you specifically apply for? And then give people a little insight into what that job currently entails. So I first came as uh, an associate, which is the fancy word for intern, uh, (laughs) Started doing like content capture games on the field, taking videos. I uh, got a little starstruck. Loved it. Uh, did some writing then, and then at the end of the uh, internship period, they offered me a full time job to do more writing uh, and take on the role that I do here with the podcast. And uh, it was kind of ambiguous what I would be doing with the podcast, but I tried to take on as much as I could to you know really dig into it and you know write the episode guides that we do or try to come up with that guests uh, for each week and it didn't feel like work when I started doing it. it still doesn't, you know, it's fun to just talk about soccer and think about soccer for my job. Well, and what's fun about it too. Well, I will say that let's, let's back up just a minute because we all agree that we, the opportunity that we have to be able to cover sports and, and be a part of sports on a daily basis is a different career or a, a different quote unquote job than most people have. It's, it's, days where you're like feel super grateful and blessed that you get to do what you do but that also there is a an element of hard work to it there's a grind I remember when I covered baseball and people like oh my gosh you get to cover baseball I was like yes that is 81 home games and each game you know each day is like 12 hours long I'm not sitting in the stands with a hot dog and a beer you know so there is an element of our jobs that is still work but comparatively to other people because they're there to enjoy it we are pretty dang lucky to be able to do what we do. But it also means that there's not a whole lot of days off because sports doesn't really sleep. So you were probably up last night because I'm sure you weren't in Houston, but you were watching the game, writing a recap. You need to know what's going on, whatever it might be. So take us through sort of what your day is like, whether it's a game day or it's a nine game day and sort of what that entails and sometimes how quickly it can kind of change on a dime. Yeah, so most of the time I'm writing articles like, game previews. Uh, we do storylines on our website, stuff like that. So go into the office and those are pretty relaxing days just to get to look up some stats, think about it for a bit and write. Uh, but then game days, get there early, take some notes, try to come up with some clever jokes for the the recap if I can. Uh, and then 
wait for the game to start, pay as close attention as I can. Uh, even when we lose 4-1, like at the Austin game, you know, there's still something there to to find and something there to find the silver lining in the recap. So that's that's been an interesting part of getting used to writing those recaps um, on an away game, you know, late nights. But uh, like you were saying, late night watching soccer, I'll take that any day. Not as bad as if it's a West Coast game. That's like a oh real, that's a real dagger. I trust me. I mean, even just being a fan, right? We've all, we've all to go through it when you're watching a game on the West Coast and you're thinking, holy cow, this thing doesn't start till 930. You know, I don't know how people do it on the East Coast, but I'm trying to watch a West Coast game. But when, what is the best part of your job that you have found that maybe you enjoy that you didn't know that you would because it wasn't maybe necessarily what you quote went in to do or what you majored in? What is the best part of your job so far? This maybe just been the biggest surprise. And then we'll kind of dive into more of actual Minnesota United and sort of what they're doing on the field. The best part, let's see. Honestly, I've enjoyed most of it. Uh, But every now and then I get permission to write an article from my point of view. Uh, you know, makes it like an opinion piece, which can be that can be brave because you know, then if you throw it out there as your opinion, you could get crushed for it. I, I did at the beginning of the year predict that St. Louis City would be dead last in the oh, league. Mm-hmm. And I'm eating crow on that one. Hey, predictions don't count. That's nothing. Other opinion pieces. Predictions don't count at the beginning okay, of the season. So okay. you're okay there. Thank you. <laughs> so but what yeah. is uh when you when you talk about being able to write an opinion piece, have you been able to do any feature pieces? Have you been able to dive into any of these players? Because I find that People love to know these guys as people, as human beings, as dads, as uncles, brothers, cousins, whatever they are. You know, I think people really enjoy sort of hearing what they do when they're away from the field. Like we've talked on these podcasts to several of them about. Have you gotten to do any of those or learn about any of these players that is or coaching staff or training staff that have really just kind of like stuck with you? Yeah, there's two I can think of in particular. Uh, Robin Lode got to talk to him, and that, I mean, he's just one of the most pleasant people I've ever spoken to. Uh, it was a pretty quick interview. You know, he was very efficient in his answers. It just seemed happy to be there. Uh, and now, you know, with Pookie here, there's I'm sure I'll get to talk to the two of them again. Uh, but the other one was uh, Malik Jesse Khan with the uh, second team uh, during Ramadan. He talked with me about you know what it was like to manage fasting with playing soccer. And I mean, just getting to know him and getting to know that struggle was super cool. It's not something I ever really thought about until we talked. And then when you look at what Minnesota United is doing on the field, we just had the pleasure of talking with Stuart Kerr in the first segment, um, coming off that fantastic win on the road at Houston, which we all know is a very difficult place to play. When you kind of are in this team every single day and you kind of can see what's going on. You kind of get the energy, the vibe, especially if you're up at Blaine, if you're up at NSC, oftentimes for whether it's for training sessions or regen, or you're just kind of hearing the vibe and the energy around Allianz field on a game day. What about this team has impressed you? You know, we, we can talk about Pookie coming in and Sajuri Shradi and, and Bongi kind of in his second season and finding his groove Ray coming back in. But is there one specific thing as you've seen this now we're just past the midpoint that impresses you about this team or that has surprised you or that you just are like looking forward to seeing how it's going to play out in the second half of the season? Yeah, I think um, probably the resilience because, you know, I I like to see a consistent team. Um, but, you know, sometimes that's not in the cards. You know, you get injuries, you get international breaks, stuff like that. But uh, you could go one week 
get beat four one at home and that stings. And then you go on the road and you win three zero. Like they're never going to give up. The West is tight this year. They know that if they just keep plugging away at it, they can find themselves, find themselves back up in a, you know, even a hosting position in the playoffs. So like the ability for them to just rebound from anything uh, and just keep coming back has been great to watch. When you're diving into some of these stories and especially the pregame stories, the, you know, writing stories that people are going to go to the site or to the app or whatever it might be and read to find out what they need to know for that game. What do you try to hone in on? And then looking ahead specifically to a game like LAFC, what do you hone in on that match? How do you try to balance what Minnesota United needs to do versus like focusing on the opponent? Yeah, I think for LAFC in particular, uh, I look at like who's coming back from injury. You know, Sang Ben's been dealing with a bit of a knock, Fraga with a bit of a knock. He just got Pookie in. So like the team looks different than it did two weeks ago. So what, what should fans expect to see? Who's going to be healthy? Uh, if everybody's healthy, what would be an ideal lineup look like? Like, in, I like to think about those kinds of things. I know everybody else, like I used to write lineups in my notebooks during class or something like that, just thinking about what it might look like. Uh, so do a bit of that. And then when we look at the other team, we're looking at like, you know, who's the impact player. Everybody's heard of Carlos Vela and everybody knows Boanga, but like, you know, maybe not everybody knows Jose Cifuentes. So let's highlight his game. So when we were watching, you can look out for him. Um, just trying to find the bits and pieces that maybe not every fan knows uh, and might be interested in. And while they're watching the game, think, hey, Kyle wrote that. Or, you know, we saw that on the website. You're like, hey, I read this and now it's happened in the game. Or like, oh, hey, there's the guy he was talking about in the piece that he wrote. And now you kind of have a little nugget to try to, for them to go off of and keep an eye out in the match, because you're absolutely right. And, and we kind of have the same struggle sometimes as broadcasters. Like when we do a player to watch, it's like, of course, everybody can say, you know, Carlos Vela and Emmanuel Reynoso and rightfully so a lot of the time, but also like you want to highlight some of the guys that people, you know, maybe aren't aware of, or that just don't get the attention because they're not the one scoring goals or the one making the assists. Right. So it, it can be important to kind of try to play both sides of that coin. When you've covered the team over the last bit here with like a player like Dane St. Clair gone and away on international duty and specifically, you know, getting some time with Canada, how much do you dive in or do you get um, information on a player like Clint Irwin, who's filling his shoes and is a veteran of this league? Have you had the opportunity, like, do you have the opportunity to talk to him and what that experience is like, or with Dane, um, you know, when he comes back in the mix after, I know he was just uh, in Houston, but he literally had like gotten off the plane and they gotten on another plane. So he hasn't really even been at training yet. Do you have these thoughts on like, Hey, this would be a great idea. Let's dive into a player like Clint Irwin, who's been around a long time or Hey, let's check in with Dane when he gets back and is in the fold. Yeah, we do as much of that as we can. Uh, you know, the players, when they get busy, they don't always want to sit down for an interview, but you know, if I'm up at training, if I can grab a couple questions afterwards or just check in and see how they're doing, try to when I can, but didn't have the chance to talk to Clint, but uh, was glad that he did such a good job filling in for Dane and great to see Dane do so well against the U.S. And I admittedly, you know, I was rooting for the U.S., but got the best of both worlds there. That's like the day we talked to Devin Pedelford. He's like, look, I'm going to like when Canada's playing anybody else, I'm going to be cheering for Dane St. Clair in Canada. But when he's not, when he's, if he's playing the United States and there's no chance I'm, I'm rooting for Canada, he's all about the United States, you know, rightfully <laughs> so being a Minnesota kid. But um 
when you look ahead to this this team and and not just this team, as you stated, the Western Conference is so tight and the whole league is so incredibly tight this season and it only continues to get bigger and better and bringing in these um, insane quality players. And it's not just international players. The growth, I think, of the players within the United States and North America as well is still a little bit underrated as we talk about all these transfers coming in from elsewhere. But what do you see from this Western Conference as you sit down every every week and now multiple times a week with everything going on in all the midweek games when you look at where the Western Conference standings sit and how Minnesota can find its way with this crazy Leagues Cup in the midst and, you know, all of a sudden you're going back. It's craziness of schedule. You're not going to be resting guys during the International. I mean, excuse me, during Leagues Cup because these are real competitions and then you get thrown right back into MLS regular season. Where do you see this Western Conference sort of shaking out? I'm just looking at it right now. St. Louis, LAFC, Seattle, Real Salt Lake in the top four. Or, and then all of a sudden San Jose has jumped up to fifth. Austin, Dallas, Houston, Vancouver, and then Minnesota just below the line at 10. Where do you see this Western Conference kind of shape, shaping up? I think uh, if I'm right, it's I think we're on 27 points in 10th and first is like 38. Yeah. So that's crazy to think there's just 11 points separating us from the top. Uh, and with Ray and Pookie, you know, everybody coming together, like three wins in a row could put you in fourth place. Uh, so like... I genuinely think there's a good chance if everybody stays healthy that we could climb the standings, but every team's going to be thinking the exact same thing, right? Like, Oh, we just need a couple string, a couple together and we're right back in there. And that's, I mean, like you said earlier, that's the beauty of the league. Like everybody can compete at any point as long as you just keep going. Um, But I mean, I do work here. So maybe if I say that we're going to win it all or we're going to get up in the playoffs, nobody will believe me. But as a soccer fan that doesn't work here, I would say the same thing. Well, and honestly, too, I mean, first of all, we're Minnesota sports fans, or at least I am. And, you know, and at the end, at the heart of it, like we all we all have these high aspirations, right, for our teams, whether it's professional or college. And we all get to be, you know, burned a little bit on on occasion here or there. But that is the beauty of sports because you never know what's going to happen. It's why we play the games. And you can have a team that's sitting at the bottom of the table and find a way and find this form and find this confidence and this belief and this motivation and this togetherness where we've seen teams go from nearly the bottom and find themselves near the top by the end of the season when things start clicking and just the ball starts rolling. And we've seen it go the other way too with some of these teams that might be sitting at the top that falter. So when you also look ahead at, at, let's say hypothetically, Minnesota comes off this great win on the road at Houston, three, nothing goal, two goals from two of the new guys to jury And of course, Timo Puki and then Bongi getting another one as well. It kind of looked like a, a game with a little bit of ease almost, which is normally not the case in Houston and then closing it out with a clean sheet. Let's say they come home and they get a win, a a decisive win against LAFC, not necessarily decisive, like it's for nothing, but just the way they play the game and the way they go about it. Is it, is it kind of like a dagger then to have this break in MLS regular season where you have the all-star break and then you go to leagues cup and you just, you want to keep that ball rolling. Or do you think if that form happens and continues in leagues cup, then this is something that can be carried right into the second half. I think you're right. Like it's dangerous to have that break. Like if you, if you do beat LAFC and then you go into leagues cup and you do great, that's awesome. But if you, then after leagues cup, your players are just, you know, gassed, they're tired. And then you get back into MLS play and you start faltering, like then you're going to be mad that you had to play leagues cup. But at the same time, maybe it's what, inspires that second half of the season i think for us specifically it's probably going to be good to have leagues cup because you're going to have more game time for ray and pookie and 
you know, Tajiri Sharadi and everybody to just get to know each other uh, and get to be comfortable with one another. And early doors, the connection there is pretty good. So give them a few more games. And I think it's going to be a, a blessing in disguise to have that break. And then lastly, I just want to ask you about your, you know, your time covering sports and, you know, the uniqueness of what we get to do. Is there anything that you would tell people that are thinking and and like you, like, hey, I love sports. How can I turn my passion and what I enjoy doing into something that, you know, can actually make me a living and then I get to enjoy and do every day? If you had something to say to others that might be watching this, what would it be that now that you've been in, in this role for some time, what would you say? I would say uh, if it's something that you really want, then just never give up on it. Like it's not easy to to get a job in something like this because a lot of people want to do it. Uh, and I had to move 500 miles away from home and everybody that I loved. But, uh, you know, there were tough times, but you keep going, you keep willing, be willing to do whatever you need to do and have a good attitude every day and works out and it's awesome. great awesome i appreciate it kyle i know we're all we're all insanely busy so i know you getting up there and, and heading up to nsc not just today but every other day that you do it to set it up for us and make sure that the players the coaches the staff and everybody else who comes on these podcasts and you navigate it i mean like the usa cup is starting soon did you just get in before the traffic or what i, I they're out there setting it all up so i mean i made it in <laughs> You might, your car might be boxed in now. Like you might not be able to get out. You're just going to be stuck up there for the next week and a half of USA cup and right through the LAFC game with all the stuff going on up there. I know that I saw a big thing in the airport today when I landed this morning from Kansas city, all the advertisements for the USA cup. So I'm sure everybody's getting excited about it, but we appreciate what you do um, for the club, of course, and, and making the extra effort to get up there and making sure that the the staff and the coaches and everybody feels good about it. And of course, what you do on the website. So if people have not, checked out the website, have not checked out MNUFC.com or the app to read your stuff and get the insight and the scoop. Um, for sure, go and do that. But thank you, Kyle, for taking the time to join me today. Thank you, Kendra. We appreciate you too. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. LAFC, Minnesota United on Saturday at Allianz Field. I will be there. I get to do this game, so I'm pumped for that. But both teams coming off big 3 nothing wins, one on the road, one at home. So should be a beautiful day and a great matchup. And log on to MNUFC.com to uh, read Kyle's stuff heading into that match. Thanks again, everybody, and have a great day.